did see it coming. <laughs> I did it. That's, that's the best kind. <laughs> your, your, your timing was perfect. Thank you. Thank you. Dennis, happy 2022, man. 2022. It's two another plus new two year. Plus two plus two equals six. It's the first year of three years in a row of the sign of the devil. Whoa. The next man. three years, it'll be increasing until it gets to 666. Not technically, but no, sure. No. Let's so put I, forth that, that proclamation <laughs> as <sorry>. true. Yeah. <clears throat> so, how was your transition into the new year? I was sound asleep. I was in bed by 20 after nine. I watched Ooh. enough of the Michigan game against Georgia to know that it was a slaughter and I couldn't watch it anymore. So I, I went to bed. No fanfare. My wife said, oh, look, oh, look, there's fireworks out the front porch. And I glanced up through the window behind me on the couch mm -hmm. and through the white curtain, I could see a faint outline. And I looked and I said, yeah, I see him. And I went back to watching my television show. <laughs> You're and just an old grandpa. I'm just, I'm just 2021 was not a great year. And so it's the fanfare is bringing in the new year saying goodbye. Maybe that would cause anyone to want to get drunk. And in the days past, I certainly did. But those days are behind me. Oh, oh, hey, I got a newsflash. Newsflash. As I look out my window here. Yes. Flash me some news. And I, I will send you a picture of this. There's a story back in episode 96 or so that I and my son had constructed a beautiful tarp tent. Yes. It ended up matching by just a miracle, the color of our house. Before it got cold, it really cold this winter, I noticed there were a couple of rips in it. So I went and I, I got the stuff that the guy in the commercial uses to build a boat out of this tape. And then he puts a motor on it. And you see him going up, it glues it and paste it and all that. And I took this magic stuff and it was a miracle. This, can, this tarp, plastic, heavy tarp plastic sealed perfectly where those tears were. And then to make it stronger, I bought the spray version of it that when you spray it, it's spray tape. tape. Yes. Spray tape. This is flex. This is called flex products. I'm giving them a big plug here. Yes. And now it used to used to get them on, only online. And now you can get them at Lowe's because he went national. Thank you to our sponsor um, for this week. Uh, yes. Flex spray sticky so, stuff. All that by way of background. Today we had fierce 40 and 50 mile gusts and all that remains of the roof of my tent are the places that I put the tape. Whoa. The whole roof ripped off and I'm looking at, I'm looking at the frame and the snow coming down on top of the car and the, and there's like uh -huh. blizzard conditions out there. So, Oh shit. But I happen to have in my possession, a tarp that is so big. How big you, Dennis? That, okay. If you were, if you can imagine a semi, a, a semi diesel tractor trailer, Mm -hmm. and a typical 18-wheeler, uh, 18-wheeler, mm -hmm. the, the, the carriage in the front and then the, uh, the storage area in the back. Yep. The storage area, when it's open, is quite a large bucket. I have a tarp Indeed. that's big enough to cover that bucket and go down the sides and be strapped down. So that is now going up. And here's the thing. Guess what color it is? Green. Color of the house, man. Same color of the house which is gray. I have to send you some before and after pictures. Please do. Those may or may not be in the show notes, depending on Dennis's. Sometimes he promises things. Oh, that's nonsense. And then I've done everything I've ever promised. Oh, been watching some stuff. Uh, the only content I have consumed really has been to finish off this Beatles documentary. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, which was like eight fucking hours. And six though. 
really, really those six though. It's three episodes that are like uh, two and a half hours each, but it it was just amazing to watch. It was because when anyone is really good at what they do, when they get to about 27 years old, they are the best at what they do. Like you look at any Tiger Woods or any baseball yeah. star or any basketball star, when they get to 27, they've been so amazing when they were young and they've had time to develop what they are, what they do. And by 27, they are like wisdom filled experts at what they do and experienced. Yes. And these guys were just, they were at their peak and, but it's also really clear that there was never any way that they weren't going to break up. Like it, yeah, it, right. it had to happen. And they like the whole third episode of this thing was about their rooftop concert, uh-huh. which a lot about it is just like the stupidest idea ever. And oh, I disagree. They I like, disagree. I everyone, was- everyone down on the ground uh, was either complaining about all the fucking noise because who are these knuckleheads? Who are these young assholes making all this noise? Or they were fans saying, yeah, I love the Beatles, but I can't really hear anything that they're doing. And oh, I really? You can't see them. And it's like the worst possible concert venue because but it, it can't it be seen. For that, it was for the film. Yes. They didn't but, do it for the fans. They did it for the footage. But they were doing plenty of that in the studio. Certainly, but it, it was the setting of it that was iconic. And the I decider guess. of that was like, fuck the fans. We're going to do this in a way that nobody's done, and it's going to be crazy because and nobody will do again because on a rooftop, and we're here to play. And I never got the impression when they were playing that they were playing for the people that were below the streets of the building. I got the impression they were playing for me. That's, oh, that's very egotistical of you. Wait a minute. Many of the you want to look at the numbers. How many people do you think have seen that and enjoyed it and felt the way I did compared to the minuscule number of people in the street? Now I'm giving you a mathematical kind of. This is why when I give a conference talk. I'm not thinking about the people in the stands in front of me. I'm thinking about the people on YouTube later. They're going to watch my talk. And that's the real audience, which is why the people that do stuff that are like, okay, who here has used whatever technology? Raise your hand. That sort of bullshit. Like I don't do because that doesn't, doesn't tell you any value. Know. But yeah. And several of the takes from that rooftop concert made it onto an album. Like they. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so a lot the, of the, what happened why there. I want, to, why I want to see the documentaries because I'm so steeped in all this, lived through it, studied it, seen it, watched it, constantly reminded of it. You're going to, you're going to fucking love it because documentaries here or there. And somebody said to me, Oh, it's boring as shit unless you're a musician. (laughs) And I thought, okay, does it for me. (laughs) But (laughs) it's what we try to accomplish at Myrtle Beach. It's just a dude sitting around and someone starts playing something and they're like, Hey, what key is that? And then the other person starts playing and then something happens. And right. it's just this beauty of creativity and in this world. And they have this atmosphere about them that is just uh, beautiful. And the fact that was basically the last time that they ever performed together yeah. is extra mm, tragic melancholy. This, this is what I love about the footage is that the the rooftop setting and the disparate kind of energy from that rooftop stuff with the wind blowing and there are no fans and they're down below and they're all very their individual selves and the emotion was one of almost let's do this because we're going to do it and the enthusiasm there wasn't an enthusiasm there was a passionate display of music but if you look at the individual like if you look at george harrison during all that he's not all emotionally charged and and wanting to do it but they hadn't played in public for three years before that 
Now, you think of the Beatles' fucking rocket ship of fame and fortune, and you think, whoa, when, when, I can't remember that. When did that happen? Oh, yeah, it was at the tail end. It was. So many directions that they went. Crazy stuff. Sergeant Pepper's just like crazy, crazy. And of course, this is all after all of that, of course. And what's super cute is when they were like, they had moved to their Apple studios where they were going to record. And there were these two girls that were standing outside on the sidewalk every fucking morning and every afternoon and every midday. And at some point, the documentarian went up to them and said, what are you guys doing here? And they were just like, we just want to see them. We just want to see them walk by. If they acknowledge us, that would be amazing, but we just want to be here to, to see this. And as a viewer of the, of the documentary, I'm like, I very much can feel what they were feeling because what would it be like to watch Paul and John and, yeah. and George just get out of their car and walk into the studio? Like, that would be amazing. That's exciting. Because <laughs> it's such a, they were making history and they didn't know it. Or maybe they did. No, they knew it, but they were in it and it was tiresome. It was tiresome. It never, it seems to me that it never really tired. Paul had an unquenchable appetite for the drama that was necessary to, to keep the band in some type of unity and his leadership quality shared with John by way of talent ended up becoming more of a, of a work ethic. Which... Yeah, and, and if Paul wasn't there, like every group needs someone to be there. Okay, come on guys, we're going to come in tomorrow morning and we're going to, we're going to do this. Because right, if you just right. have your Johns and your Georges that are just like, yeah, whatever, man. I guess we'll come in later and do it. And, the, and that's as much as what the interviews with the Beatles have said, that if, that fuck, if it wasn't for Paul, we wouldn't have cut half the albums because even on his day off, even when we weren't working in the recording studio, he'd say, meet me here, meet me there. And we got, I got two new songs. Yeah. And so we'd trudge in. And of course, then we, the magic would happen. Tiresome. From George Harrison's standpoint, particularly from what I've dug in deep with the documentaries of his life and the stuff I've read in interviews with his son and all that, is that it was like, it was like, fuck this. You got a, you got this guy who's the leader of the band. We're all this rich and famous. I don't have a lot of money. I need enough. I don't have enough kind of money. I want to live the way I've lived. Hmm. And so like when he, when he, as we talked about, he had to mortgage his house to produce Monty Python. Right. And so you got to consider that. He said, it isn't worth it. For who the fuck are you to tell me how you want me to play guitar to this fucking song? Are you kidding me? What? If you don't want me to play at all, I won't play at all. Okay. Yeah. If that's what you want, but just tell me what you want. And let's do this thing so I can get the fuck out of here and the fuck away from you. You control freak. There was a lot of that. Yes. Right. And one thing that I didn't realize was that they were there rehearsing because they had this obsession of trying to get a song in one take that I don't think any modern musician does. I don't think anyone just does it in one take. I think people lay down the drums or the bass or the guitar with a with a click track, and then they go back and they add on the, the, the different layers. Yeah. But they had this idea of, we're gonna, and they could have done it differently, but they wanted to do it all in one take. And they were there practicing and they said, oh man, I wish we need a, we need a keyboard player. But if Paul is on the keyboard, then we need a bass player. And then just out of pure chance, their friend from Hamburg, Billy Preston shows up and he's like, Hey guys, how's it going? And they were like, Hey, you can play the keyboard. Here's this new electric keyboard that no one, this new electric piano that no one has ever really heard how it sounds. Is that so? Why don't you, why don't you uh, start playing on that. this? And it was just like in Myrtle Beach when we have our friend Don who hops on the keyboard and is just on it. All the, and so it. the entire album, all of the songs that they recorded, particularly in this documentary, at least he was there on the keyboard 
just making it all more awesome. Just adding the extra, the extra sauce that made it amazing. And just how cool that that was that he just wandered in there and he sadly died early at 59 years old, but it just an amazing moment in time. And I love it when there's a moment in time that is really important. And for some reason, someone had the idea to actually be there, like filming it because uh-huh. that never happens. Like uh, happens there, there yeah, aren't yeah. document, there aren't documentaries about, I don't know, the lead up to and the follow up after Martin Luther King's speech, other really momentous moments in history that it nowadays, because everyone has a freaking HD video camera in yeah. their pocket, we're going to have way more footage about everything. And you've heard me tell the story of my brother, Joe, who filmed the fishing trip in a fishing contest where the top prize was $20,000. And he started the footage as they were getting together and partying the night before the fishing trip. And the whole premise of the footage was that they were going to win the prize. And in fact, two days later, they did. And it ended up on local television. Yeah, baby. And so you have video footage of my brother taking footage of my other brother on camera. So he gets the entire footage right while what they used on the news was like a couple things you gotta edit this and ship it off to sundance man this is like it's it actually it actually and believe me when i say this white boys fishing it is the title it needs not a moment of editing not a moment some music maybe it's a real time and it's very interesting there are fish being caught there is there there are fish being released fish uh, tail dancing on the water and oh taking God. out line until the line breaks. But anyway, this whole premise. Why is this thing, not up on YouTube first? I link to it right now. It's not, what do you call it? A VCR. It's not a VCR. When, when was this filmed? 20 years ago. Oh, okay. Fuck. VHS is the term. VHS. For. What did I say? VCR. Oh, VCR. That's the machine v- that you record yes. <laughs> and play the VHS tapes on. Never mind that. As I thought I, this was like a uh, 4k, <laughs> like high def footage that we were going to be able to release to the world, but not so much. So, I went on a trip. Oh, I have a yes, story about. Did. I have a story about going on the trip. Getting there. Getting there. We booked flights for my wife and my kids, and my in-laws and my sister-in-law. So that's seven people in total from an airport. The cheapest flights were from an airport that's two and a half hours away, which fucking sucks. But it is what it is. And. We booked these flights again, like we waited way too long to book these flights, but we got them booked and we were ready to go. And then some asshole kid from my daughter's class tested positive for COVID. Right. And right. So we were like, shit. Okay. And they, from the school, they said, Hey, so our flights were going out on the 24th. Uh, of December. And they told us on the 22nd, hey, you guys are going to have to all get tested, everyone from the class. We will set up an appointment for you in 24 hours. And 24 hours went by and we had nothing. And then they told us that they told us on the 23rd that her appointment for the PCR was at noon, which is when the flight was on the 24th. So our options were to skip town and leave and not get the government mandated test for COVID, which I think would have been trouble. 
Uh-huh. Or somehow for one of a for a grown up to stay behind with her to take the yeah. test uh-huh. and then fly on the next day, and I volunteered to stay at home with Good her. Good man. Which is when I got to watch much of the Beatles documentary that that oh. they tell for the podcast, and so we did that. And I and so all the family left at 5 a.m. the 24th to travel two and a half hours to get to their 11 a.m. flight from two hours away. And my daughter and I stayed behind and we went to the test and she got her PCR test. And they said, they, like her test was at like 1 p.m. And they said, okay, you'll have the results within 24 hours. And previously we've done this. Well, okay, actually, the day before, when they gave us our appointment for 1 p.m. the next day, we like rushed to try and get there to get it done earlier, but they were closed down and they weren't yeah. doing more tests. So anyway, we, and so that evening before her test, I looked into the airline and I called the airline and I said, hey, we'd like to change this flight. And they said, we just can change it. We can change your flight just for two of you, but you have to leave from the same airport. But if you, but the flights the next day are like, with two different changes and you're going to end up at arriving at like midnight in that following day. Well, and we said, what well, fucking sucks. But, and, I, and, and I said, so can we like cancel these flights and get some credit? And they said, Oh yeah, you can cancel your flights and get some credit. And so we did that. And then we looked for other flights that were from another airport and closer to an airport. And there were flights from closer airports that were a similar price that left super early in the morning. And we would get there like in the morning of the second of the day that's that our family was already there getting up in the morning so we weren't going to miss anything really yeah, the getting there going to bed and then the getting up yeah, and that's it exactly so the so we did that and we booked that and previously the pcr tests that we've had around noon arrive around midnight the results and i thought okay so when i get up in the morning i'm gonna know these results and because we had to get up i set my alarm for four in the morning to get up to do this travel and i thought by then we will have the results and so anyway, I woke up because of what you do when you have to travel early in the morning. I woke up at 3.30 and and I was like, okay, I have 30 more minutes just to sleep. But then I thought, oh, wait, it's after midnight. I probably have the results already. And they send them via text on your phone. Yeah. And so I went to look at my phone and there were no results. And I was like, fuck, I guess we're just going to have to get up and plan the travel as if everything exactly. is okay. And then if they send us a thing, because... The positive result would have been just like destroying, like she and I would have had to stay at home while the rest of the family was on vacation and for the whole time, for the whole time and it would have just fucking sucked and it would have been really bad. So, so here I was at 3.30. So I, I start to get up anyway, at 3.38, I get the text message that she's negative. <laughs> and I was like, fuck, yes. Here we so, go. Let's go on a plane. So we hopped in the car and drove to the airport and you were all packed the night before. Oh, of course. And like all of the carry-on luggage was with the other, with it was with, with the other people. So we were just, you no, know, all the checked luggage was with the other people. So we were just, we just had carry-on stuff. Right. And, and it was great. We got to the airport and, and I increasingly, I like to do this thing with my kid where I, where I have her imagine that she is alone in the airport trying to navigate where to get to, because that's a skill. Like you have to know. Yeah, that, I don't have that skill. Like just you, you have to know there. that you that the first thing if you don't know where the fuck you need to go, you need to go find a screen somewhere. Yeah, and identify your flight and where you need to go. And so we played this little game because we had extra time where it was just like, okay, I'm gonna follow you. You tell me where to go, and the, like 
she learned that the initial step is to learn is to see where your check-in desk is and then that's the to, second step after after step one which is what parking find the nearest bar and see if they have anchor steam beer yes we the red ale and when you're at the airport you always want to ask for it yes especially when it's uh 5 45 in the morning <laughs> well, look a lot of people drink beer for breakfast don't knock it no especially in airports like oh god yes you, you see people in airports at 7 a.m and they're right. and they just got like, a fucking pint of whatever <laughs> and they're just like <laughs> because who knows what time zone they're on which is should be our excuse but anyway the so we ended up arriving there and they picked us up in the van that i had that i had um rented because there were seven of us it was complicated which sort of vehicle to rent and we seven ended, of you. wow we ended up going with a nine-person van of course you did which is a fucking huge beast but were was, you the driver for almost all of the trip yes they picked us up in that van and then for the rest of the, the time i was the driver who drove uh, them the first time when you weren't there my wife i think huh. but we when i rented the van i rented it in my name and this particular we went through several different van rental possibilities and there were some we were going to get two cars and that sort yeah, of sucked, but this, but this particular place let me add two additional drivers as like insured drivers. And so that was, that was nice, but yeah, it, so we rented this van and they, they had already found our, the place we were staying the first two nights, which, so the Canary Islands. Okay. The, <laughs> The island that we were on called in English Tenerife, in Spanish Tenerife, it's, it has this primary volcano and then the rest of the island is like, obviously like the result of that volcano. And this is the third tallest volcano on earth. So uh, pretty high and it, it's the highest mountain in all of Spain, but obviously you can see it from the entire island. No, no matter where you are on the island, like you can look up and, oh, there's the peak up there, which was kind of cool. Anyway, on some subsequent day, we went up to the peak. We drove this van just up this hill, up, 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 curve, 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 up, 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 up. And just when you thought you were almost there, there was like more hill to climb. And eventually we got up to this place where there's this um, cable car that takes you really fucking high up. And we had already pre-booked that, uh, oh, thanks to my sister-in-law. A cable and car. So we parked oh. and we got into this thing. Uh, cable car, like it's on, it's funicular. It's on, it's you're suspended from the cable. And so we went way, way, way the fuck up. And it was like, when we were down at the bottom, after climbing with the van so high up, it was still like 65 degrees and it was sunny and like we were in short sleeves and it was just like warm. And well, like we'd been told, look, when you go up, you need to have extra clothes. And it didn't seem possible that we were going to go up this cable car and it was going to be fucking cold up there. But right. it turns out it was, it was one degree above freezing up there. Oh no shit. Dressed and in short sleeves and shit. No, we had, we had backpacks with clothes in them. Yeah. We had, had taken some, some jackets, but uh, okay. it was, it was just amazing up there to be able to see all yeah. around because obviously you can see way past the Island to the other islands. The pictures you sent me. And it was just uh, fantastic. And at some point, like there's this little sort of route that you can walk around. We didn't, like we didn't book early early enough to have a a guide to take us up to the top. But we were up at near the top, and we were able to walk around. And we got separated. My 
the boys and the girls, the, my father-in-law and my son and I were walking around in one direction and, and the women were walking around in another. Purposely? Nah, just out of what was interesting to us, the flow. And there were some super strong sulfur smells, but then there was, but then I got a call, like we walk halfway around and we were like, yeah, this looks like more of the same. So we walked back and then I got a call from my wife saying, Hey, you got to come back the way you came and a little bit further because I have something to show you. And so we did. And we walked around and they, apparently some like some Japanese couple had, had told them, Hey, you need to go off the trail for 25 feet over here and reach your hand into this hole. And, and we did that. And it was like this, like super heat coming out of this hole in the fucking volcano. And it was just like, Whoa, man, like, I understand that we're here and this is a dormant volcano, but But there's all this fucking heat coming out of here. That's Uh, quite the vent. Hey, that'd be a good place to build a shelter. Indeed, right. because it was like one degree above freezing, and there you could cook stuff. Well, so, is it was it that hot? You could cook with it? Not really. I you don't put know. Your hand in it. You put your hand in it. It didn't burn you. It didn't burn you. No, but it was. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you could cook with it, but you could certainly keep warm with it. But was it warm to the touch or hot? It was like you had to take your hand out hot. Okay, that's great. So that's great. I don't know what sort of pizza oven you could make out of it, but huh. anything that took long sustained heat. Think of the things that you simmer till they're done. Indeed, but and which remind me. We do have the soup of the day, the soup of the day story. Oh, coming up later. We'll come back. We'll come okay. back. Coming up later. Okay. Stay tuned, everyone. Don't touch that dial. Yeah. <laughs> so it that was super cool. And then we we had this gorgeous little villa that had like six bedrooms and a, and a pool. The pool was salt water because I think that's like way easier to get when you're on an island in the ocean. It was just lovely. And we were in shorts and short sleeves for Christmas and New Year's, and in a way that. We, we don't, we've never known before. Of course, Amazing. Of course. Which was the whole idea to yes. experience that in its right, own right. way. Do something so. different. Break the mold. It, was great. it sounds like, like any trip. It was uh, arduous more so for you and your daughter to get there, but wow, what a blessing that it came out right. Cause and, you do all along. It might not. Exactly. And on the way back, on the way back, like we were of course on different flights on the way back because we had to get back to where our car was. But our flights left at the exact same time from adjacent gates. So like we boarded and we could like That's see each crazy. other. We could see each other walking on the gangplank. What are like, the odds? And then she and I got back home early enough so that I could go and shopping and prepare the, the meal by the time they arrived home. But oh, it good. was so what did it, you make? What was the meal you prepared? Lentil soup. Ah. From a big can? No. No, no. I have made lentil soup, but lentil soup is a is my favorite recipe that I can make using this this cooking robot that we have. It you have to soak the lentils for a few hours beforehand, uh-huh. and then you put the lentils and chopped up carrots and chopped up leeks, and chopped up peppers, and maybe some chopped up meat into the into this sort of vat, and it spends forty five minutes stirring itself and cooking up the lentils in this glorious way, and it comes out fantastic every time. It's a cooking robot, indeed. My God, are you in a different year than I am? <laughs> I'm in two zero two two equals six. Yeah. So this is a. Glorified blender. You know how in uh-huh. America, everyone is so excited about the uh, slow cooker, what's yeah. it called? It, it's, make note, the segue to my story of the uh, soup of the day. Yeah, We're here. It could be yours. It could be mine. We'll have to compare notes. So this is a different thing. This is a French invention or German invention that, that it's basically a glorified blender, but it like also will cook and stir stuff for you. And wow. this particular lentil recipe is one that requires constant stirring and constant heat. 
and it just works well with uh, uh-huh. this particular machine. Uh-huh. And so it's a favorite around the household. So tell me what segue you to my soup story. It's our second Christmas because my daughter's uh, partner was COVID. And so we delayed Christmas, present giving Christmas for January 1. Remind me about second Christmas after you're done. And I cooked, heated up a smoked Virginia ham. And I put it in a big slow cooker with a a full quart of bone broth, chicken bone bone broth, bon bon, and carrots and celery and parsley and onions. And I heated it up for two and a half hours, meaty part down, flipped it up, and then carved it and fed everyone Easter ham. Now, the remnants of that ham, which were many bone, gristle, fat, and plenty of meat, heated up in the crock pot in the broth until it completely fell off the bone. And with some carving, the bone could be removed. And then that was cooked. And that was removed and drained, so there was nothing but a broth. Then I used that broth and I cooked up a full pound of split peas, simmered them in the broth. And when they were soft, I pulled out a, a tool that's a masher and I mashed the beans into a pulp. Tool of the day. That, and then I added the ham. Which is now cut with a tool. Now picture a two man saw back in the 1800s. Got we're it. out west. You got two big winter, tall winter, handles winter, winter, winter. and a big saw, right? Mm-hmm. Picture a tool that looks like that, but a knife. And instead of teeth, it's just a very sharp knife. I mm-hmm. found this in my drawer to cut up the sand. Whoosh, whoosh. Oh my God. Now, however, it became a ham stew because the amount of ham was too steep. And because the Virginia ham is salty, it was actually too salty. So I went to the store, bought another pound of split peas, slow cook them in water, mashed them, and then mixed half of the first batch with the second batch and created the best split pea soup with ham that I've ever made. Not to mention that I dumped in a half a pound of diced onions along with only garlic and pepper as the spice. Hell yeah. Oh my God. So now, so the day. we'll do a call-in thing that you record at the studios in España. And, and we'll see what the what the vote is from the listeners. We had, you did see the spike, right, in the data? Yes, the, there was so much interest in the, especially when you mentioned the extra pound of peas. Because I going mean, back uh, to our previous conversation, John Lennon was all about giving peas a chance. So... <laughs> It's we are saying is to give peace a chance. So did you see all the news about the actress Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman 1984, thinking it was cool after she saw the Italian thing that we've both seen of the trumpet player and everybody spontaneously off the balcony singing a a unity song, this video. So she thought it was cool. And she said, so they're going to do a song, <laughs> a Beatles song, John Lennon. Imagine, imagine, not a Beatles song, a John Lennon song. Yeah. And so Gal Gadot says about this thing, this is the most excruciating tape. You watch it. It goes from star to star trying to sing a little verse of Imagine. Hand-holding. That's got to be from like two years ago, though. No, right? just happened. 
just happened. Because and the whole singing from the balconies thing was like 2020. It, just, it was, and all the press now is about how ashamed she is that she did it because the reaction was like, are you fucking kidding me? Half these people couldn't sing. It was so fucking weird. And people wrote, who the fuck are you privileged motherfuckers telling us that what we need to do is imagine how it can all be blah, 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 when we're here and we, it's just bad out here. Assholes, privileged motherfuckers. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I see the article from 2022. Yeah, whatever. Oh. Like, and, and the thing is that she's so self possessed that she's doing this video that's going to see her whatever number of followers. God only knows how many. But she's so sincere and she thought it was cool. And the, the, the poor woman, she really thought it was a good idea. This isn't about anything other than judgment. She, why did she? This is the thing. The people are pissed about this or that. This is the thing that I want you to focus on when you see the whole thing, which is that it is so musically awful. It is so unbelievably bad musically. It's awful. Yeah. So speaking of second Christmas, tonight is second Christmas here in Spain. Oh. Because in Spain, oh, that's right. I remember the this. 6th of January, there are more presents that arrive via right. the wise men who bring who come on their flying camels and bring right. presents. And some little guy with a big dick. No, I think that's probably the Catalan Christmas that happens before, but for sure, there's weird shit that happens in Catalonia. But so after our recording tonight, I have to go and spread out presents to to be found tomorrow morning. And Which you is, have to. What happens if you just don't go? You obviously don't want to do it. So what would you rather be doing? If I just went straight to bed and there were no presents tomorrow morning, there would be trouble. At least you're honest enough to admit it. And my my 12-year-old, so I have a 12 and an 8-year-old, and uh, my 12-year-old looked me in the eye the other day and said, he knows. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. Which is what? Who, who Grandpa? No, uh, that he knows what uh, who Santa Claus is. Oh, who said he knows? My older daughter, who uh -huh. has known for a while, uh -huh. and, and she said, and said he knows. But like he, <laughs> but like my son had already told my, had told his mother. Yeah, I figured that out a while ago, and he claims to not have heard it from a friend, just to have reasoned it out. But it. What he claims that he just figured it out himself. Yeah, but as a, my daughter claims that she had suspicions and that she left a. <sighs> Back when she was six, eight, back when she was seven or eight or something, and she had this old iPhone that we let her use, and she left it out recording, pointing at the Christmas tree, and caught my slippers moving around and setting presents down, and that's how she claims that she figured it out. But I don't believe, I don't think she's that. I'd be surprised if that story is actually true. But that's what she claims, uh, or she claimed. But so anyway, we're so tomorrow, like we have another Christmas where. Like in Spain, we have these two Christmases, and we can't take their Christmas tree down until after right. after the sixth. And so we have to like celebrate again tomorrow, the same day that we celebrated on twenty fifth. But whatever. For an American, it feels so wrong that like the new year, like we've passed into the new year, and there's still and like Christmas, still... and there's still Christmas carols on, and like Christmas shopping and stuff going right, on. Right. It's what, and you're over it. Yeah. But last year I kept my tree up till April because that's I think if I recall that's when we had Christmas. Yeah, you had a, a late Christmas last year. But, I think it was um, April. Maybe it was March. Maybe it was March. But anyway, it took long. a long time. Too so long. We've got, we've got blowy, snowy roads are covered with snow. It's four wheel drive action out there. We had six inches the other day. I broke out the snow blower. 
got it and blew the snow the shit out did my yard did the neighbors got it all done and now snowing again and went so bad it ripped the hell out of my my garage which i wonder what the warranty is on that i'll have to find out where's your convertible is your convertible under there no that's in storage thank goodness my my forerunner that we bought the beast is in there and it doesn't care but the cover for my sports car is in there suspended we which we uh, learned was all hanging on a super right special... hang on a second i gotta do this okay da, 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 could be bad news it looks like the bungee cord broke oh no it's holding up the that was partially holding up the, the bungee cord broke the cover of the car well fuck. means i gotta go out there before dark damn it yeah all right i'm gonna go lay some presents feliz the, navidad the feliz navidad who has the most presents is the fucking cat, which oh, is depressing. Neutered cat, yeah. But like, uh, we bought him a, a little carrying case and some little toys and shit. And my kid's got less. <laughs> Strap it on his back and let him let him go. Funnier to hell. <laughs> yeah. So he survived the ten days we were away. Like our nanny lady came over and fed him every so often. But he... ten days you were gone, huh? Man, that's luxury. That's luxury. I know, right? Luxury. We went to the Canary Islands and it was luxury. A decadent. Indeed. There were, many, there were many British people down there. Uh-huh. Indeed. And Germans. Yeah. Oh, very, very many Germans. I uh, will say for next episode, the uh, discussion of the, uh, the travels of, of stand-up comedians to actors. And uh, a topic we've hit on before, Tom Hanks being the great example in the film I just saw again the other day, Philadelphia, which is a near-perfect movie. Certainly a perfect sound score. And also, Also, just a moment about this. Larry McMurtry died. We talked about that. Prolific uh, writer, Westerner. And we've talked in prior episodes of The Last Picture Show. And the film that was the kind of uh, breathtaking start for Civil Shepard and for Jeff Bridges and for others, Timothy Bottoms and his little brother played a little kid in the movie, Stan Bottoms. But anyway... That movie in black and white, uh, Peter Bogdanovich, which was put into the American Federal Library, what do you call it? The, the Library it of Congress. Library of Congress as an important cultural and herit- heritage-based example of life in the United States. <laughs> and I happened to see it being shown for one of the few times on HBO, black and white. That's your homework. That's the beginning of the Larry McMurphy. What's it called? Thing, bro. What's it called? Last Picture Show. Yeah, okay. Cloris Leachman. Okay. Remember her in no. the Frankenstein movies? Hell Brawl. Wee! <laughs> nope. Okay, listen. Over my head. You got to go. It's as ever. It's been great. You go. Hey, I hope you get the most presents. Keep a list. We'll walk through them. Okay. I'm getting a new keyboard. That's what I'm getting. Shh, don't tell anyone. What? Electric keyboard? Oh, for your computer. One of these. Oh, I see. But it's not so quite so dirty, and it has a little button on it where I can put my finger, and my finger uh, does stuff. I can finger Feliz my Navidad, keyboard. Brother. Feliz Navidad. Feliz. Uh, happy King's Day, man. Feliz Navidad. Okay, that's it for episode number 139. You can find the show notes at happyhour.fm slash 139. 
You can help support the show going into 2022 at patreon.com slash happy hour. We would really love your support. Got to pay for these domain names and just the time it takes to put these out. See you next week.